Hello, you are now listening to the Modem Podcast, where we deconstruct, examine, and discuss deeply technical data networking and information technology topics. Sit back and relax while we fire up Dial D and the 9600 baud modem and connect to the Wildcat BBS. Hi, and welcome to the Modem Podcast, where we talk about the details and the projects and the protocols at a level that we don't often see in other places. So today, I'm going to make a wager. I'm going to say that 90% of the listeners of this podcast have done some work in virtual network modeling platforms. There's a whole bunch of them out there. Uh, They come in commercial varieties, open source varieties, prosumer, where you pay a license to get more. There's there's options out there, and I'll be willing to bet that most people have at least considered playing with those uh, to further their professional career or to um, do some testing for their day jobs. Um, now, whether it's creating models for newer existing networks, for testing protocols, or experimenting with vendor integration, or even prototyping new features, or maybe it's just studying for certifications. The network labs are an integral piece of the puzzle for many network engineers. Today, we have a special guest. Special. I'm gonna I'm gonna channel my uh, my nine club skateboarding podcast host here. A special guest today, uh, Roman Doden, creator of and maintainer of Container Lab. Roman, how are you doing today? You can tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Nick. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Doing great. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm Roman. I'm employed with Nokia. And for the past several years, I've been doing network automation specifically, um, focusing on Yang-based automations. So protocols like Netcon, Frescon, GNMI, etc. That's That's been my turf. And quite recently, I started to work more on the Kubernetes as a control plane for the network automation as well and that 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 brings brings me to this day so that's me in in a few short sentences great great um and with me as usual to keep me on track and from not spouting off forever uh in in a in a constant stream of nonsense is the one and only chris cummings chris how you doing today you know, I'm doing all right, but I will correct you there. Uh, a, I obviously do a bad job of that. And B, there are lots of Chris Cummings. There are, there are, there are very many of them. So I am just one of many, and there's nothing special here. So keep it. But you're ours. You're um, our Chris Cummings. <laughs> you should, uh, you should return that one to the store. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a receipt, man. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No, I'm Chris Cummings. Uh, glad to be here and excited to talk about this uh, cool new newish tool. Yeah, this is pretty interesting. Um, and, and I got to admit, I, I actually don't know a whole lot about it, but I do spend a very significant amount of my time in net, virtual network modeling environments. So I'm really stoked to talk about this a little bit more. Um, so Roman, can you kind of give us the, you know, the elevator pitch of what Container Lab actually is? Yeah, sure. So Container Lab is basically a CLI tool that that stands to uh, to help you spin up container based. <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> that stands up to spin up container based labs uh, in a declarative manner. So that basically gives you the ability to run your networking labs, be it containerized, be or be it VM based uh, workloads that you that you intend to run, and it allows you to spin it up. In a, in a matter of seconds. So that's like, you know, the, the 10,000 10, 10, feet view of Container Lab. So I think there's quite a bit there in that 10,000 foot view. Um, so, so go ahead, Chris. So this kind of sits in the space then of other uh, network virtualization tools, like what Nick mentioned, right, at the in the intro. So uh, there are other ways of virtualizing network topologies and building them. But there was a few key words you said there that really stuck out to me as what makes this difference. First off, it sounds like it's just a command line tool. So it's not necessarily a way for me to click and drag icons around and, you know, like a GNS3 or even G, right? It, exactly. it's, a, it's, it's more of a way for me to programmatically build things. And you mentioned a keyword that I think is really important, which is declarative. 
And so with declarative language, basically, I'm thinking my mind immediately goes to like, okay, I think of Terraform and, you know, stuff like that, where I can describe my infrastructure that I desire in some sort of language or text file or something, some schema. And then Container Lab goes and builds that for me based off of what I've, you know, declared and that I want. And then another uh, key feature that you just said, and again, we're just picking apart an elevator pitch here, but there's just so much in there, is that it's containerized. So that immediately makes me go, okay, lightweight, faster, um, possibly easier for me to spin up than, you know, waiting for a QMU image to boot up or, you know, Dynamips, <laughs> if I'm really going back in time a bit. Um, so yeah, I, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, maybe maybe let me just take a few steps back and start from the from the history of Container Lab because that will probably explain it better why we created it. And the roots of this tool basically come come from the fact that we started to have more containerized network operating systems to come out. So uh, me as an as an OK employee, we have the product in the data center space, which is an SR Linux network operating system, which was covered quite recently at NFD25. So feel free to check it out. My colleagues did a great job explaining what it is and why it is like that. But the prime thing about the SR Linux NOS is that it is containerized, right? And whenever you want to play with containerized NOSes, and a few other examples would be Arista CUS or Juniper CRPD or Sonic, or FRR. So there's a lot of them, right? And they started to spring more and more. You see them a lot more and more. And there is a good reason to that. But before going into the reasoning, let me explain why we needed Container Lab or, or a similar tool to exist. So imagine you have a, your containerized NOS. You need to play with it, right? You need to boot it up. You need to create topologies. You need to wire the uh, different instances of these containers together to create your topology graph. And that is not easy. If you take a regular container and you spin it with Docker CLI or any other CLI, it will just create you a container with a single interface, which is which something which is not something that works for uh, NOSes, right? Because we need to have containers with multiple interfaces most of the time. And Docker or Podman or any other container orchestration CLI doesn't really cut out to that. So you would need to create those VDH pairs manually, put them into network namespaces, and create all this kind of renaming and manual labor, which, which will make this process really tedious. And that is the prime reason we started to look into the tools which can help with that. And be able to create the network topologies using containerized images. So we went, our, we went around looking for tools like that. We found a few, but none of them were up to our standards and we wanted it to be you know, a, a bit better. So that's how my colleagues kickstarted Container Lab, which is I'm currently maintaining. So that was the prime reason. So you, you called out a couple things there, um, and I and and it's useful to elaborate a little bit. Uh, you know, we, we hear a lot of talk about containers, and especially Docker, and and you know the other things. You know, in the folks talking about it in the industry, and the thing that has always surprised me—actually, it doesn't really surprise me once I think about it—but it always surprises me when I initially start to do it again—is that container-based environments that spin up a you know a, a resource typically have a very poor networking stack they do something so the the networking piece of that is ancillary it's not the main reason that you're doing something with a container it's you're building a container so that you can expose a service and however that gets exposed is largely unimportant to probably 98% of the people that are going to use it. And because of that, the networking stack is pretty weak, especially in Docker. Um, it, it's not, you know, the, the more complicated things aren't terribly well documented. If you want to do IPv6 or something like that, you know, you're going to find big holes in the, 
in the documentation. If you don't want to use NAT in the middle of it, it's going to be problematic because that's the default. And so not problematic, but it's more involved, right? So the fact that you had created this um, sounds like that was one of the reasons that you had to do it was to work around some of those limitations. Because like you said, a container is going to spin up, you know, what is requested 99% of the time, which is a service with one interface that has one single purpose. Is that accurate or am I painting my own bias onto the... No, no, yeah, exactly. That was one of the prime reasons behind the, the container lab. So we started to have these, you know, bash scripts with all the... VTH create commands and and uh, syscalls, which is called inside the container, and the environment variables, which are passed around. And these bespoke scripts, they were pretty much unmaintainable. So if you want to share this lab that you built with another colleague of yours, yeah, you, you are having a hard time explaining what you did. And if they have a typically different environment to run the same lab, yeah, you can kiss goodbye your scripts and try to rewrite them all together from the ground up. So we wanted to avoid that. We wanted to create the declarative file that you can easily check into your Git system, pull it on another one, do one command for installation of the tool and do another one to deploy the topology and be good to go. So the simplicity of building the topologies was the prime key. And we tried to bake in all the hard stuff that goes around creating those topologies and running containers in the in the mesh systems by you know by 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 hiding all this stuff under the some abstraction layer if you want to. So the basically the analogy to that for folks that have used ex- other existing network modeling platforms is say you know you fire up whatever your whatever your platform of choice is. And that typically gives you some sort of web interface or a client interface with a GUI where you drag and drop elements, you, you drag links together to create, you know, interconnects. And that on the back end essentially deploys a VM or a container. It creates a Linux bridge or some other kind of bridge uh, device internally uh, to that container or to that uh modeling system and then attaches two virtual interfaces to that. And in my experience, that's all I ever use the graphical interface for, right? Because it's drag, 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 create a management network, make sure I've got boot up configs in place, you know, that give me routed topology. And then I just SSH into everything from outside at that point. So what you're saying is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is that you've essentially done that in a significantly more efficient way by presumably referencing a file that has whatever the topology is supposed to look like and just running a command, boom, it's done. Yeah, you you pictured it correctly. And I guess the question, how does Container Lab differ from EvenG or GNS3 is the second highest second biggest second biggest pro question that i get so the how do i picture the differences so let's imagine that you have gns3 or even g or verl or cml whatever you know platform that you use and you try to compare it with container lab the first biggest difference would be that with container lab you do not need to install anything right you do not need to have even G installed, you do not need to have CML account. It's free. It's a single binary that you download. All you need to have or carry along is a Docker runtime. And that's it. That was one of the things that we wanted to create uh, as part of the container lab project is to limit the third party tools that you require to have. Because if you have to have even G, even if it's ubiquitous and it's everywhere, not everybody still has it, right? And it, it comes with a cost. You still need to have a resource allocated to it and you play by the rules of this tool, etc., etc. We wanted it to make Container Lab different. We wanted it to be more like, you know, like a CLI tool that doesn't come with a lot of baggage. So it's a stripped down version of a runtime that allows you to run topologies, but it doesn't require you to have 
licenses or complicated UIs or anything that really you know has its toll. And as you mentioned, we use a text file, which is uh, we call topology definition file or CLAP file. That is basically a YAML-based file. And the reason it is like that is because most of the time nowadays, engineers that are in the cloud or in the network automation sphere, they 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 get used to YAML, right? They do not care to sip some YAML first thing thing in the morning. So that's 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 how we're all. And of course it's nice to have a UI. It's good to be able to, you know, with a with a mouse drag interconnect your routers. But doesn't benefit the automation because with file-based configuration, you can template your topologies. You can create them instantly. You can use uh, Ansible to, to probably create them automatically out of some variables files. So there is a lot of things that you can do with the text file if you are a bit in the, into the automation. And that plays quite well with what we do with uh, with SR Linux topologies and and other tools, and what I see from the customers and and partners and colleagues who used Container Lab for things like CUS or CRPD, they do the same thing. They do either small topologies to test some use cases, like in the network automation uh, sphere, for example, you do not need to have, you know, massive CCIE-grade topology. All you need is, you know, five, six containers or routers, and you can do whatever you want with, with, with them. The other use case, on the other hand, is to create massive topologies. So if you have a beefy server and you want to run your, you know, control plane scaling test, it's very easy to do that with Container Lab. You, you just template your CLAP file to the numbers of hundreds of containers. And if your server server is capable enough to, to run them, you're good to go. So you do not need to drag and drop all this stuff on the on the UI. So it's it has pros and cons, if you ask me. So I think that this is a really great benefit, you know, because well, like you said, it does have pros and cons because if you, okay, if you're just spinning up a topology with maybe three routers in a triangle and you just want to test, you know, maybe EVPN and, and you know, learn the protocol, well, maybe it is easier to click and drag in a, in a UI. But I think where the benefits of a declarative language really shine is when you're trying to either do something that's more repeatable than just, you know, dorking around in your virtualization tool. Or if you want to do something that's just, you know, not feasible to do all of that by hand. For example, something I've worked on um, at one time was building a representative topology uh, in, you know, let's just say even G uh, of a physical network and, you know, have about six routers and six switches. And each of those has a virtual control plane and a virtual forwarding plane and then <laughs> ended up you've got about 30 or so VMs running on your Eve box and you've got to connect all those and doing that by hand when you mess one up, it is a real pain. And like as your topology scales, it is really a pain in the butt to, to start having to just drag and drop links. Right. And it, and your goal isn't to sit there and draw a pretty diagram. Your goal is to, to model something. And I think that at a certain point, having a declarative language, like what container lab is at least promising is really beneficial because you can then have tracking over your topology changes over time. Right. And you can just check that into your version control system. Um, it's easier to share, you know, I'm sure the listeners out there have tried sharing a GNS three or Eve topology. It's a nightmare. Everybody's got to have the right Kimio image uploaded and it's gotta be the same version. You got to have your appliance files and you know, this, that, and this, and that, and it's really difficult. And so, being able to have a public registry for containers that you can just pull down. That's really enticing. Yeah. You, you made a great uh, segue to, and remembered 
for me to talk about the EVPN case that I had with Container Labs. So once, like two weeks ago, a guy on the Slack channel asked some some colleagues uh, of another vendor if they happened happen to have to test EVPN between the Arista and SR Linux. And there was some issue, so the control plane was not really working and the TCP dump was not really helpful. They tried to understand what's going on. And uh, I was I was on that channel and I asked, and I asked, can you just tell me what config, config files you use for both platforms? Because I can create a container lab, lab with these startup files that you use, and everybody can play with it both on our side and on the Arista side. And then surprisingly, the, the, the guy said that, oh, I, I'm already using container lab. So here's the C lab file. And he sent me like a 25 lines C lab file, which I immediately uh, ran with the container lab deploy command. And since I used the CUS images and I used SRL Linux images, I just changed the tags from his versions to my versions. And container lab pulled these images from the registry that I use. And I and, and that's done, right? So I had the completely viable and runnable lab with the startup configuration already in place to help uh, with this use case. And yeah, I, I had no EVNG, it's just my laptop. I have nothing but Docker running and it's as simple as that. Another thing, as you, Chris, mentioned, since everything is a container, essentially, you can leverage the container or Docker UX with your workflows. So all your images, which are routers, virtual routers, or containerized NASAs, they can be safely stored in a registry. So you push the image, you tag it along with your versioning, and everybody who has access to it can pull it effectively, basically, you know, the next second after you pushed it. And that is a great deal of uh, simplicity whenever it comes to the image sharing and redistribution and maintaining the you know core uh, image repository. So currently our internal image repository counts like I guess 15 different vendors and network operating systems and everybody has access to it. Nobody needs to ask me to download QCow out of five gigabytes of size. You just pull it and it's there which is very good and and very useful. Yeah, that's a very that's a very useful set of capabilities that it has. And and I do agree that, you know, sharing topology files and things like that in other platforms is one of the it, that's one of the shortcomings, you know. The nice thing is it's very easy to, you know, to introduce to someone who maybe isn't quite as uh, savvy in in the Linux environment, you know, cuz you present them with a web interface. But at the same time, replicating what they've done somewhere else is very difficult. And I, I've, I've pushed a bunch of stuff that I've done in other platforms to GitHub. And, you know, and when people look at it, it's like an XML file, right? So, you know, it's like you have to have the exact versions and all of those things. And that's really, there's a lot there that has to match up or it just won't work at all. Yeah, I was going to bring up your GitHub there, Nick, because you have a bunch of topologies on your GitHub that has configs and the Eve UNL, I think is what they call it, the UNET Lab file. And I use those a lot. Um, it's a good resource and we'll put a link to it. But I can't use UNL files, even though I have Eve. It's just a pain to get it working. And as a generally savvy person, it's a pain in the butt and I just end up taking the configs, rebuilding it myself and it's just not portable. And that's a great example that you brought up there. Yeah. One other thing is that as you've mentioned, building a lab is one thing, but most of the time you also want it to be pre-configured with some use case already around it, be it something complex like EVPN, multi-homing, whatever, or just something simple with just interfaces configured already so you can, you know, start hacking around. That is quite simple with Container Lab because what we use is a notion of uh, startup config. You basically say, here is my node. So you type node, you type uh, image, and you, you select your image. And then you say config, colon, and a path to the config file for this image. And that's that's it. You do not need to, you know, do some complicated importing into some 
cloud environment where your VM runs, it's all on your machine. And all you need to know is the path to the configuration file, and, and then it's done. Another thing is that Nikki just mentioned that reproducibly reproducibility is quite important. And with container images, it's you know it's a paramount feature of it. If you have an image and it's immutable, you can you know pass it around safely and you know that this image with this hash works with this lab. And you are absolutely guaranteed that it will work on any other system which has the same runtime. Whereas when you have QCOW, you yeah you need to hash it and compare the hashes and then see if it works or not so there is a bit of you know fluctuation when you use vms and bare qcows whereas containers and their image ids is a perfect fit for that and when i and when i think about use cases for something like that you know if i'm trying to build a ci cd pipeline for my network automation tooling you know and i want to actually perform tests at this, hey, this new version of this network automation tool that I have, I want to make sure that it works on an actual network. You know, when it comes to configuring, let's just use, I'll pick on EVNG again to do that. It does have an API, but, you know, then I have to open access to my EVNG environment from maybe this cloud service that I'm doing my CICD on, um, or I have to run EVE or GNS3 on my CICD tooling, which, eh, you know, that's not going to work. And it, it, like, like you said, it's really heavy to run actual virtual machines versus containers. And so, um, you know, from a reproducibility standpoint, if I can say, you know, in, in my Git repo for my, um, for my network tool that I'm writing, you know, presumably I have tests that I'm running, right. Because we all write tests for our code. Right. And we never slack on those. Right. <laughs> But, you know, if we do that, then you could include, um, you know, you could include a copy of your uh, container lab uh, files, right? And then have your CICD, you know, run those tests, instantiate a lab, validate that it actually works, validate that BGP comes up, run these commands to tell me that I'm receiving X number of routes and stuff like that. Whereas doing that with a traditional, I think, network virtualization system would be way more difficult. Not impossible, but more difficult for sure. Yeah, definitely more difficult if you've if you've got, uh, you know, your lab environment is very likely in an enclave that has a different security policy, assuming you're using one, you know, that's for your professional life. It very likely is not able to talk in those ways to whatever service is out there. So that's, you know, that's something to be considered as well. And, and I think the simplicity of being able to the simplicity that provides allows it to, like you said, work really easily into a CI/CD pipeline. Whereas that's often something that gets overlooked because it's very hard to do that with large network environments. It's a huge problem that's facing network automation teams. And um, you know, how do you? I'm developing this tooling for my network engineers but we're separate teams, right? So how do I make sure that it actually works and does what they want? And how do I make sure that this minor change I made to the way that the GUI looks on this thing didn't just break everything? You know, if you're lucky, you have a hardware test environment, but like Nick said, getting access to that might be difficult from your security zones and stuff like that, you know? And the problem with a hardware-based environment is you have a lot of people trying to work on something at the same time, right? If you have one developer, and you have one network engineer, okay, they can coordinate that. Now you scale that up and say you've got 20 developers and 20 network engineers, but you've got two routers that you're working off of. It becomes a scheduling nightmare. The baseline for your lab is a joke. Like every time you go there, the lab has changed from underneath you. Your test environment is not the same and you're just not gonna have good results. Yeah, exactly. So you 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 were one, one step ahead of my uh, incentive to talk about the use cases. And exactly, testing and CI was one of the prime reasons we we wanted to make Container Lab lightweight, so you can run it literally everywhere. Be it GitHub Actions and the the runners that they provide you for free, you can simply use Container Lab there if you have an image that you can pull or import somehow into the into these uh, runner that GitHub Actions provide which means that with a runner which only has eight gigabytes of RAM, 
you can spin up topologies with, well, let's say five to 10 nodes, if, it, if, if, if we are talking about containers, and that's quite a lot. So you can create complex use cases, test, validate them in your CI-CD pipeline, get some meaningful res results for every commit you made. So I guess that testing and CI angle of Container Lab is quite promising. What we do inside Nokia is that we created the pipeline that doesn't use GitHub Actions, so we run GitLab CI internally, and instead of using you know uh, public runners, we use custom runners which run on beefy servers, so we can run not only so we are not limited by these eight gigabytes of free RAM that GitHub or GitLab offers, so we have some decent amount of RAM, and we can run topologies quite quite big quite big topologies so we can have really massive testing and uh, complicated use cases which involve both containerized gnosis and virtual machines so that's really a limitless approach and that is something that that customers who really know how to do or how to cook DevOps stuff, they really appreciate that the networking is finally coming to a place where they can apply the same techniques that they do for the software development and now apply them to the networking domain. That was a really interesting point you brought up there about um, running virtual machines as well as containers. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and what that looks like um, in this context. Yeah, so so far we only talked about the containerized network operating systems and while they are great, they pack a lot of benefits like they are lightweight, they are booting fast, it's like under five seconds you have a running CLI and, and uh, management interfaces. But of course, when you want to test something in a multi-vendor setting or even, if, if, even in a single vendor setting, you need to still back to go back to VMs. So there is no way around you can do ISXR in a container yet, right? So there is no way you can do VMX uh, of Juniper on in a container. And we couldn't just, you know, skip that huge area of virtualized um, network operating systems by saying that we only focus on containers, period. That wouldn't fly. So we also, we have like Nokia SRS, which is not containerized. So we needed it to be part of Container Lab uh, feature set. So what we did is that we went looking again into the open source, how can we run virtual machines as a container? Because eventually they need to be a container so Docker can spin them up. And thankfully, the VR NetLab project was already there for quite some time. So I hooked uh, Christian Larson, the, the main maintainer of, of VRNet Lab back then. And I asked him, can we do that for like container networking? Because VRNet Lab can spin up containers with Camu VMs inside. But Vanilla VRNet Lab doesn't really offer you the Docker friendly networking. So they used to have, they still have the data path that they created specifically for VRNet Lab. And this data path is bespoke or custom. So you cannot run this in a, in a with a Docker runtime. And that was not something that we, that we would like to do. So we forked VRNet Lab and we delivered this data plane that works with Docker um, networking or just container networking, let's put it like that. And with that, what we now capable to do is that we capable to run both VMs and containers in the same topology file. So they are really indistinctable. So you say, this is my node and this node is of kind SR Linux. That's fine, that's container. And the next node you say, this is the node with kind VR uh, VMX. And that will be a container with Juniper VMX inside, and you and you stitch them together as they were containers. So as far as a user is concerned, they are exactly the same. They appear in Docker PS as a containers, so that you can interact with them as a containers. But the difference is that VR NetLab based containers they have Camu VM running inside, and the magic sauce of VR NetLab is to make the 
So it has two things that really shine. First, Vernet Lab makes um, makes it possible to take a QCOW image and with a simple simple make command, turn it into a container. So that's one. And the second thing is that it runs the installation procedures of this VM because some VMs they need to boot up one time and then they need to reboot and apply some things that they did at runtime. And yeah, Vernet Lab takes care of that. So you just wait a solid amount of time, but like 15 minutes later down the road, you have your container fully ready to be to be used. And within the fork that we have, we added this uh, container network container networking that was needed for Container Lab. And now you can have your topologies with both VMs and containerized NASAs. But not only that, so you have your networking domain, right? So you have network operating systems, be it VM or container, that's fine. But what we also wanted to have, and that, that comes like, you know, like a benefit of using containers, is that you can run any container from Docker Hub or your custom container, which has some application code. For example, there is iperf that you created in a container, or there is some testing tool that you run in, in, in a container. And because we use container images, you can just create a node you can name it my client or my test client, whatever. And you refer to the image that you created that will pull this image from Docker Hub or GitHub container registry, and it will be part of your topology. So you are not only constrained by the networking domain, but you also leverage all the container images that community created you know, for these past five plus years. So that is really great and that is really powerful. So you can mix and match networking sphere with the regular Linux containers. So let me restate one of the things that you said there. Um, you're able to take a typical, what a, you know, what a regular, uh, what a network engineer would find as a regular VM for you know, running a, a, a virtualized network, so VMX or whatever, right? Which is a QCOW image, runs under QEMU, KVM. And you stuff that into a container that then runs all the, you know, does all of the heavy lifting for booting up what that environment is. So presumably it's running KVM inside of a container to then boot up this other image and then presents it as a typical Docker, you work with it just like you would any other Docker container. Is that, yeah, that's yeah. restating what you just said. Okay. Absolutely, that's, absolutely correct. That's really cool. Um, and that's, that's pretty creative. I like that. Yeah. So what you can do with that, even if you do not use something like container lab, you can use this container with virtual machine inside and just do Docker run and it will boot up and then it will have some interface already attached as a management. So you can, you know, do, let's say, management interface testing. So you can do SSH, NetConf, GNMI, uh, RESTConf if it supports it. So for for the use cases of automation where you just need to probably browse the Yang data store and see what the box can do, that's perfectly fine. You only need one node, but you just need it to be, you know, ubiquitously available on any system which has Docker. And Docker is now mostly everywhere. It's really easy to set up. So I guess the toll for having a system like that is pretty low. So that makes it quite easy for anybody to start playing with this. Yeah, it sounds very easy and very useful, especially for folks that really want to get into automating things and being able to replicate their tests and things like that. You know, I... We had down, you know, what was the motivation for this, but I think that's, to me, that seems self-evident, right? Just in describing what it does, it's very clear that, yeah, you know, there was a... I, I, if I sum this up, and it was kind of, you know, a progression line for us. So when we started Container Lab, the prime use case was just to create a lab topology with containerized NASAs. And um, 
the the use cases were pretty simple. So if this containerized NAS is something very new like SR Linux, you just wanted to browse the CLI, see how the interfaces are configured, probably do some uh, protocol testing, BGP, OSPF, ISIS, something like that. So that was fine. But then we added multi-vendor capabilities, and now you open yourself to the sheer amount of different vendors and then efficient. So uh, basically what you have now is the interrupt testing. So you can do your Nokia SRS plus Cisco ISXR, and you can mix and match them in the in the way you want it. So that's another use case. If you want to go into the automation testing, that's even easier. You only need to have just you know a bunch of devices with a with a vendor that you are interested in, and then you can run your NetMeco or you know GNMI client or any other tools that you want to learn and practice. And Container Lab will spin this for you in a matter of seconds with no you know with no hissing. So that was the second use case. But then when we started to spread the world, spread the word about Container Lab, we realized that people started to create really insane topologies with it. So they started to build SRT LSPs with you know QoS rules, and the topologies they became quite big and beefy. And the, so I was worried. So how would the, how would the topology look like when you have like dozens of interfaces? And it's quite manageable. So people like it because they just need to create it once. And then whenever they go, they just run this topology, um, connect to it with, you know, with a tunnel like TailScale or WireGuard from any location they, they are now. And the lab is always there. So for them, it was an immediate buy-in so they can run a beefy topology with a startup configuration already in place and have a fully functional lab with you know with no limitations on the data plane because what we use is we use vth pairs as the data plane interfaces which means that you are not limited in a linux bridge uh, filtering capabilities so anything is allowed lacp ldp whatever thing you have on the data plane it will be passed through with no with no alterations and that is that is really nice. So you are not you are, you are not constrained. So that was the like the major th- revelation for me when I saw that these big labs are now part of Container Lab because it was never the intention to have these massive labs built with Container Lab. It was more like here is a tool that can get you up to probably ten nodes maximum. Don't go higher there is no point probably you will use even g for for beefy topologies but no people people like it and yeah i'm quite 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 happy with it i wish that uh i wish that people could have seen nick and i's face when he said there's no limitations of a linux bridge uh and the filtering that comes with that because we both our eyes just got wide as plates and i think i saw some drool from nick maybe that's a little slobber going on um in my defense, that's usually there. Well, that's true. It's just the rabies. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's really a cool thing. And I'm I've I've run LACP on even G, and you have to like do this custom kernel patch to allow bridges to actually forward those frames, and it's it's a it's a real pain. And when it comes to modeling your network, um, not being able to do those those kinds of maybe usually layer two stuff. I think that most network virtualization platforms got it's got a bit of a rap a bad rap with layer two and it's like oh you you can't do layer two and even g or i'm sorry gs3 was always the thing that was a myth for a long time right because it didn't work well with dynamips and then when they moved cisco moved everything to like you know cubium images then it got better but you know then you couldn't do lacp and stuff so this is really a next evolution of of that that lets you do way more in-depth stuff um that's really cool and and that works for the virtual machine uh tie-in as well right yeah yeah so we spent quite a lot of time trying to make uh vr netlab images to not use linux bridges inside because there is quite a lot of or not quite a lot but still some magic that happens when you need to make vm inside the container talk to the outside world which is your host from which you ssh or connect to the device and yeah we needed to make something like 
something that is called TC mirrored redirect to make this, you know, transparent forwarding of packets between different interfaces. So we basically avoid Linux bridging on the on the container solely to solve this problem because I've been fed up quite quite massively with that. Uh, and yeah, when people ask me why can I do LACP, well reasons right and then when we found out that we can use this tc mirror to redirect and solve this stuff it was like a big party afterwards so yeah i know i know i feel that pain i i've been there and the, yeah as, as i said if you require to have a custom kernel that's a lot that's a lot of things that can go wrong because you need to patch a kernel right you need to have this uh, machine that you can spare for that one and that is not something that we wanted to have so the portability and the lightweightness was one of the prime things that we wanted to container lab to have yeah that's a big deal that's always been my complaint about docker is that the networking stack was seemingly a afterthought um you know, because it's not it's not a networking tool per se right it's a systems and application suite and the networking just has to be there it doesn't have to be complicated and you know if i i don't think i can go through a whole podcast without having my ipv6 soapbox right and that was always the limit it was just difficult to do you could get it to work eventually but it was always painful and that was largely because it just seemed like the network stack was an afterthought yeah one other thing that i wanted to mention but a probably it's it's a good time to that so the containers and the vms inside the containers is nice but some of the folks you know there is always somebody who asks more and there was a guy who who asked like can i connect my and there was some some machine that runs some code so he wanted this machine to be connected to the container lab topology so this machine is not a container, it's not a VM, it's a hardware appliance. And Container Lab can do that. So we implemented bridge connectivity and um, OVS bridge connectivity as well. The way it works is that you say, here is my topology, here are my nodes. Let's say you run VM access. So you want to connect one of your VM access to something like a real machine, like an MX, for instance. So you have your router. All you need to do is to say, here is another node is, which is part of my lab. And this node is of kind bridge or OVS bridge or VXLAN tunnel, which is also possible. And you say, now this node is connected to this bridge with this interface. So you give this interface a name. What effectively happens is that your container lab Container Lab will create a VETH pair to this bridge. And the the only thing that you need to do is make sure that you use the VLAN that MX, real MX, sits on. And that gives you the, you know, the combination of the virtualized lab and a hardware lab that that you have connected to. So well, not not a rocket science, but still something nice to have if you want to connect, interconnect your real hardware with your containerized uh, lab or virtual lab that runs as a container, which is quite powerful again in CI testing because not everything you can virtualize for multiple reasons, and being able to break out to the real world of the hardware appliances is something that is quite 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 good to have. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's that's yeah, that's a cool sure. feature because, like you know, maybe you have something like you mentioned a hardware appliance, but maybe you want to tie it in with the rest of your you know actual network and actually run it off that way. You know, there's a lot of value to that. Um, kind of sw- switching gears a little bit. So we've talked about the declarative portion and how that applies to you know I can describe how many containers or how how many of these containers, how many of those containers, what links between them. Uh, things of that so the infrastructure can be declared right um what about the config so you mentioned that the config goes along with it so how does the configuration of these individual containers actually get stored you know it can i just store that along with my file or does it is it in the topology file um is that something how does it get onto the device uh kind of go into some of that 
Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So the configuration part is is something that we are currently working on in a way that we wanted to create a, a command that will allow you to configure the node after you booted it. So I mentioned before that we have startup configuration, and that is that covers like 90% of the use cases that our users have. The startup configurations will work like that. So you say for each node, here is my startup config, and you put a path to, to this key in the, in the CLAP file. So this file will be copied to the CLAP directory. So we create a directory which holds uh, lab artifacts. And this lab, since this is a container, it will be uh, bind-mounted to the container image, right? So by the path the container expects to have its startup config, we, we, we mount it by that path, and that effectively makes this startup config that you have on your disk, basically, you know, it's, uh, it's passed through to a container and container uses it, which is really great because what, whatever, what it gives you, and we know that containers are immutable. When you kill it, there is nothing that that says that the container was there, unless you do the bin mounts. So if you mounted your configuration as a file to a container, and then you created some configurations uh, on the box, let's say you created interfaces, protocols, etc., then you said write memory or config save, all the config will be propagated back to your startup file, if you say so. So that means that you can boot up with startup config, and that's good enough for you to, to get going. But if you want to save your work and continue using that, what you build on, you just do save in your CLI or with your netconf or with whatever thing you use, and that will be saved on your disk. So the persistency will be there, and the next time you boot the same lab, it will pick up the startup config that you have uh, built on and use it. So that is quite quite interesting and powerful for, for, for doing startup configurations and building on top of that one. Does it apply to VMs as well or just the containers? Yes, for some of them, we gradually, we gradually build that support. So whenever, it, it, it really depends on if the VM can handle a file that goes as a, as a startup config. So for instance, most of the VMs, they used to use something like HTTP server for the configuration store or TFTP or FTP. So we try to run TFTP, for, for example, for SRS. We run TFTP server in a container and our VR SRS nodes are configured to read from a specific location. So for SRS, we delivered this. Uh, you can run it with startup config and it will boot with it and you can save it and you will have your configuration saved on your disk. So it's all work like magically, but not, not, every, not every image is like that because yeah, primarily our interest in is in Nokia products. So we are less uh, fluid with, with the rest of the, of the containers. So, Contributions are welcome, <laughs> if I may uh, say so. But yeah, VMs are also quite quite supported in that matter. And yeah, as I mentioned, so the configuration aspect that we want to deliver, and that's there, there is a current currently open PR. We wanted to create a template-based configurations, which you can do after you boot your node. So let's say you de deploy the lab, and it's good, but now you want to show to a customer or to a colleague how you can create something quickly, like let's say I want to deploy ISIS across my core network. So you can, of course, copy paste and or use NetConf or use even an Ansible. It's totally fine. By the way, we generate Ansible inventory as part of the container lab. So you can start hacking with Ansible right away. But what we wanted to do is that we wanted also to have templates like similar to Jinja templates, uh, where you can say, I want to create these kind of templates for my lab, and I want to configure the nodes out of these templates when I do container lab config command. So that is also something very interesting, but this is, this is not that easy, and we are trying to make it right and simple so that users will benefit from it and will not curse us afterwards. Yeah, so that, that's the configuration portion of it. 
and uh, probably one one other small comment or remark here because everything is a container things like port exposure bean mounting uh what else have you environment variables common to run so everything that you typically do with your docker run command everything is supported for the containerized nasus so you can do this and vr vr netlab operating systems as well so that is we're trying to basically we're trying to meld docker ux with networking and allow you to work with networking containers as you as you normally do with the regular containers so that's how we try to make the best of both worlds i feel like we could do a whole other hour at a minimum <laughs> on this this is there's a whole lot here but alas, we are coming up on time. So I do have a couple real quick questions. The biggest one is how does one get this and how much does it cost? Well, it costs zero and you can get it from containerlab.srlinux.dev. The installation is a single command or you can use package managers. So we try to be very flexible. So everybody has their own way of installation and yeah, it's totally free. It's totally open source. It's written in Go. And if you want to contribute, I guess we now have currently 12 contributors. So feel free to chime in. We are very friendly. We can get you up to speed pretty quickly. And yeah, everybody's welcome to contribute. All right. Well, you've heard it here. Get involved if you know Go um, and you're interested because it sounds like a very useful product and or, or uh, project, I guess I should say, and it's open source, which we love here. So that is fantastic. Well, by the way, you you are not only, you, you, you do not need to know Go because you can also know Python and contribute to VR NetLab quite efficiently because there's quite some things that, that needs to be improved on that side. So everybody from Go and from Python lands are welcome. Not only that, if you are, if you are you know, experienced in VMAX or CUS or, you know, Cisco, you might find something that is not working up to your expectations. So feedback, some some things that you notice, and we were taking care of making things right because we are not, you know, working 100% time with different vendors. It's hard for us to get right the multi-vendor part sometimes. So I was I was very happy to have Aristofox chiming in and saying, oh, we, we, we love... Container Lab so much, and but things are not working as we used to have them working, and we sorted it in a matter of days. So it was a nice, uh, you know, interrupt between the vendors, which is really nice to have and see. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it, vendor interop is uh, is something that that, in my opinion, is not focused on enough um, because. And I know that, that, you know, I've been chastised for saying this in the past, but in twenty five years of doing this, I've never worked ever in a single vendor environment. So the fact that you're thinking about that is, uh, you know, is a testament to, you know, the usefulness of the, of the platform. So thank you for doing that because I think there's countless network engineers and, and automation engineers that are going to appreciate that, that haven't seen this yet. So we'll put links to all these things. Um, uh, so VRNet Lab and, and the rest of it, so folks can uh, so folks can can check it out and get involved if they're interested in it. Other than the URL of the project that you just uh, that you just gave out, Roman, where where can people uh, find you on the internet? Should you uh, should they want to chat some more about this? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm quite an active Twitter user, so you can find me at ntdvps, which is Net DevOps without wobbles which is pretty easy to remember. And yeah, hook, uh, hook me up there and we can have a chat on network automation, all the things. Excellent. Chris, where can people find you if they want to talk to you on the internet? Yeah, if you are sadistic, you can look me up on Twitter, at uh, CrankyNetMan, um, if you just enjoy blathering nonsense. Um, you can also find my blog on the interwebs at slash 64.tech. And uh, you can also usually reach me on the Network Collective Slack channel, um, usually on there, hanging out and talking with uh, other smart engineers. 
Um, that's that's pretty much my presence. So I'm Nick Braulio, and I uh, will say that, Chris, you do not have an exclusive lock on the blathering nonsense because I've been doing that for my entire career. So if you're also looking for that, you can find it at forwardingplane.net. Um, and then I'm on the Twitters at, uh, at forwardingplane. I'm also pretty active on the Network Collective Slack as well as um, Brothers Wisp Slack. So you can hit us up there. And as always, the, the podcast will be available on uh, modem.show or on any of your favorite uh, podcast distribution software platforms. Um, and I did notice that we actually had some likes on Apple Podcasts. So that's great. We love that. I mean, it's like it's like five or something. But still, hey, if you're if you're real bored and your thumb doesn't hurt, you can click a review and give us something on there. Um, that'd be great. If not, no worries. We'll keep doing this. Uh, either way. So again, thanks a lot. Thank you for tuning into the Modem Podcast, where yesterday's modems are today's transponders. For more information or to request a topic, please visit modem.show.